this is a special uh, a day for us. And if you're new to Beach Point, it's going to be, might feel a little weird uh, in some ways, but I want to help you as, as we launch into what we're going to talk about today to help you understand a little bit about who we are. Uh, Beach Point is who it is, and much, uh, much of the results that happen here are the results of people living with daring generosity. So we have, as we're going through this series of Daring Faith, we're in week six, we have three challenges that we're looking at. One is a grow challenge. We want to grow in our faith, and we're, we've been praying and thinking as we've been going through this series, thinking about examples of faith, how we can grow, and steps that God is calling us to, to chase after a promise in which he has for our lives. Or a, or, or a step of commitment or obedience. And I will tell you, there are people in this church, there are hundreds of people in this church who give generously of their time so that they can help people grow. People who work with our kids and our youth and our college students and our young adults and couples and, and life group leaders and Celebrate Recovery leaders and Stephen ministers, people who walk through difficult challenges. All these people who are committed to generously give their time to help people grow. Uh, we live with gener- daring generosity, but, but we also have a go challenge. And the go challenge, uh, as we've been talking over these weeks, is there's this unique way in which God invites us. He calls us into his mission. He calls us to give our lives, our skills, our abilities, our talents to his agenda. And I will tell you, there are some amazing people here, people who believe to generously give their lives, their purpose, their agenda to God for his agenda, his purposes. And you will see that lived out from the simplest things. Or I don't know if it's simple, but it's dynamic. In some ways, people, whether it's going across the office and ministering to someone in your office or going across the globe and ministering to someone in an unreached, unengaged people group who've never heard the gospel, our people are willing. They're generous with their lives. They're generous with their, their talents. They're generous with their abilities. And they're saying to God, God, my life is yours. Use me. Here I am. Send me. And people are generously saying to God, I will go where you call me. But we have a so challenge as well. Grow and so and go. And our so challenge is a challenge in which we will talk together today about a, a corporate commitment that we're making together to ride this wave that God has us on at this point in our season of this church. The unique way in which this church is going to, uh, and I must tell you, this church does what it does because of the generous financial contributions of its people. And I don't know if you realize this or not. You may be, some of you may be new to church and don't realize how a church works, but a church doesn't receive government funding. We, we don't sell anything. I'm not that good. I, I can't write. So I, I, I'm, no one's coming to hear me speak and pay for that. So you're stuck. Uh, our church, our church exists based on just the generous contributions of the family, of all of us together, giving uh, generously to God and God using us. And our people, what I discover again and again is our people are generous with their treasure. And being generous with your time and your talent and your treasure is very core to who we are at Beach Point. And I just want to let you know, if you're going to be a part of Beach Point, if you don't learn to be generous with your time and talent and treasure, it's going to get awkward here because we, we like to make 
we, we like to take risks. We like to make sacrifices. That You're going to feel like you're standing still while everyone's rushing around around you. And I just want to let you know that part of our, our culture here is to be generous. It's core to who we are. And this is a good thing. This is a good thing because even as research scientists study, like what, what is it that brings well-being to our lives? Uh, they have come to, to understand that one of the key things is, the, is living generously, giving your life to things beyond yourself. In fact, uh, some research scientists concluded that what may be what differentiates a, an exceptional life from a good one is the making of generous contributions from one life to another. In fact, maybe what we, we are discovering is this, that one of the ways we become the very best versions of ourselves is by living generous lives, giving our lives to something bigger than ourselves. I love Reggie McNeil says it this way uh, as he writes. He says, I'm not suggesting that we help others in order to help ourselves. That would be self-serving, not others serving But he says this, it has been my experience that people who help others find themselves benefited in many ways. The payoff may not match the gift in kind. So you may give money, but receive emotional reward. But he says, but it always exceeds their contribution in the sense of the satisfaction it brings. And today we're going to talk about generosity. And specifically, we're going to talk about financial generosity and how together we can make a big difference. And the, the, the difference can result in blessings. So I want, to write, I want you to write this down. Here's our big idea for today that we're going to talk about. That daring generosity, which we're going to talk about, blesses God, blesses others, and it blesses the giver. It blesses God, it blesses others, and it blesses the giver. Now, it's interesting, I think, when we think about generosity, it's, it's easy for us to think how it will bless others. And in ways we kind of wonder how it blesses God. But I think a lot of us wonder really, how does it bless me? And I want us to spend some time not only looking at the principles that we're going to see here, but I, I spent time this week talking to a number of families and just asking them, why do you live with the, with the, the value of generosity? Why, people that I, I just knew that they, they're generous people. Why do you do this? What, what is it about you? What, what moves you to, to live this way? And that it was fascinating just to hear not just first century principles, but 21st century examples of people living out the generous life. So to get kind of a first century principle and, and a biblical principle, let me invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's page 1162 in the Bibles. In front of you. If you have never read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, these two chapters, I want to encourage you this week of all the homework, all the devotional work that you do, read these two chapters because it will give you a picture of what the generous life looks like and what motivates it and what are the principles behind it. But we're going to look at part of of chapter 9. And just to help you understand a little bit of what's happening here, this is a letter that's being written to a church like us. And the context is that in Jerusalem, there had been, uh, there, there's famine, there's drought. About, about 20 years after the, the, the launch of the church, there's poverty. And specifically, if you are a Jewish Christian, beyond all the oppressive taxation of the Romans and everything else that goes on, uh, as a Christian, you are now marginalized even more so to receive aid and care. 
And so the Apostle Paul had done something. He had been working with the different churches. He was collecting offerings that were going to come. And so there's this unique way in which he's speaking to a church. He's even using these churches to help them understand what each other are doing. He's motivating them by the things that one church is doing, telling them stories about each other. And so there's this unique moment in which he's speaking to this church and he's saying, hey, you have this opportunity to to give and to give generously and I want to coach you in it. And so let's listen to how he coaches them because I believe it will coach us and where we're at. So the first thing I want you to write down as we jump into the passage is this, is that daring generosity requires preparation. It requires preparation. And we're going to see this in the beginning as Paul challenges them to move beyond intentions to actual commitment. So he starts in verse 1. He says this, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. This is another church, another group of people. He's been telling them. He says that since last year, you, last year you and Achaia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So Paul says, look, your enthusiasm, I've been telling stories about your enthusiasm. Now these guys are all excited. They're going to give and they're giving out of their poverty. He says, but I'm sending to you. Notice what he says. Now I'm sending to you brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, okay? You may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance, finish the arrangements for the generous gift you've promised, and then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Okay, let's stop there for a second. You see Paul's motivation. I want, when I get there, the gift to be ready. You guys, your hearts have been poured out. You're eager. So when, when we come to grab the gift and to take it to where it needs to go, my hope is the reason he's sending people ahead is I want you to be prepared. What I don't want is to get there and feel like I have to twist your arm once again and kind of get, kind of squeeze this gift out of you. He's trying to push them past intentions into practice. And if you're going to live the generous life, what you, you'll, you'll experience and what you'll know is this. You have to move past good intentions and actually move into actual preparation and, and implementation of this. And that's what today is about. Today is about helping you prepare for these next days ahead. So we're in week six. We've been going through the Steering Faith series and, and, and we gave you a packet at the very beginning. We've been inviting you. You've been through the devotional and through the life groups. We've been walking you through to this moment. And one of these moments is that we, we, there are individual steps of, uh, that we're challenging with grow and to go. But the so step, the so challenge is one that that is something we're going to all do together. So I, I want you to think like, a, like an ant colony or a beehive. All of us together are going to do our part. And together our hope is that uh, we can ride this wave that God has for us. So we have a corporate goal together. God has called us to live as missionaries in this city. And so we, we planted a second church about a year ago. In fact, two weeks on the 13th, we'll celebrate the one-year anniversary of Beach Point Huntington Beach. And so God called us to plant a church. And so we're raising funds to help keep that church up and sust- until it becomes sustainable on its own. But, but both Huntington and here, we know this, that, that God has called us to, to, uh, to repurpose our campus for all the activity, all the things that are happening right now. 
so that we can better serve uh, both campuses. Now, when we launched Beach Point HB, I don't know that we thought all the amazing things that were going to happen were going to happen so quickly. So a group of about 60 has turned into a group of about 100. There's been 12 baptisms already. Uh, they're praying about uh, 25 baptisms next year. They're, they're praying about moving into a larger location. There's some exciting energy. They're, they're working in these incredible ministries, uh, uh, helping out uh, uh, do all these things among the poor and the marginalized in the city of Huntington Beach. People's lives are being changed. But even here, you feel the difference of what has happened over these last few years. There's just been this season of harvest here. And many of you are part of this. As people have gone into your lives and brought you into faith and, 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 and uh, uh, you've been a part of this, that you see this. Uh, we have uh, on most, since 2016 has started, on most weeks, we have over 900 people that are here on, on weekends. And you feel it when you drive your car in and you're trying to find a parking spot and you're trying to find a bathroom and all these, uh, we're, we're impacted. And three days a week, the campus is completely impacted. And so you see some of those unique things that we're, we're looking to do. Maybe you saw the display out in the lobby or saw some of the, the graphics of some of the things that we're hoping to do to repurpose the campus. And let me just tell you this. The process has been incredibly deliberate, slow. Five years we've prayed, we've thought, we've researched a project that started at 12 million and we brought it down to less than half of that. And I just want you to know the leaders of the church, we have really worked hard. This is not about being extravagant or any of those things. This is simply about trying to serve this generation and the next one to come as, as best we can. This And everything that we're doing, I think will bless every generation, kids, youth, uh, adults, seniors. I mean, it is thoughtful in all those ways. So today is about preparing for this next week. It's about preparing for the Daring Faith commitments. Now, I'll tell you, I, I, I talked to about 30 people this last week just thinking about how they're making this commitment. And it was interesting. It was very important for me because I realized something. Not everyone's life looks like mine. Uh, People get paid different. People are in different seasons of life. Some of you, you're emerging in your career. Some of you are getting ready to retire. Some of you uh, uh, get paid every week. Some of you get paid every other week. Some of you get commissioned. We all work in different ways. We're all facing different seasons. So it was so fascinating to listen to all these different stories of how people are processing this. But here's what they said over and over. And when I asked these people, why, how do you live so generously? And they said this, you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional about it. And one of my hopes for you on this 36-month journey is that it, it won't just help you be generous for this, but it will, it will develop something in you. It will change your heart and will change your life in, in a very powerful way. Think about how uniquely the grow and the sow components are tied together. Because if you're going to make this commitment, if you're going to give something up, if you're going to do this... It, this is forcing you to ask huge questions about what you really believe about God. So do you really believe God exists? Do you really believe that he is paying attention to your life? Do you really believe he has power to intervene in your life? Do you really believe he can protect you? Do you really believe that he's not just over on the other side of the world uh, dealing with famine and war, but that he's, he's with the Smiths and the Johnsons and the Terriches and he's with each of your families walking through this. This is asking huge questions about our faith. It's not just about collecting money. Trust me, that's not what we want to do. We want this to be about your heart and your life with God. 
And so throughout this week, we're going to encourage you to spend time processing, thinking about the commitment you'll make. You'll see in your bulletin, you were given a commitment card. And we're inviting you next week to bring this commitment card back. What we're hoping is you'll do this, that you will figure out a sacrificial gift that you'll give next, next Sunday, March 6th. And this is not your normal offering to the church. This has to be over and above. If you just move your offering to the church into Daring Faith, then, then we'll, we'll have to like not allow children to come to our church anymore or something. I don't know what we'll do, but you get the idea, right? So you can't just move things over and above. This is over and above our offering. This is, this is being daring. This is pushing ourselves. So I'm, I'm encouraging you, how can you make a sacrifice of a one-time gift and then to think from the next three years, from March of 2016 to March of 2019, how would you, over those 36 months, make a commitment uh, for Kim and I, we set up already in our bank, on our online banking, a reoccurring gift. Every two weeks on payday, we have a gift that comes and it go, it's marked Daring Faith and it goes right in the, and we've already started. Uh, you decide, I don't know how your life works, but our prayers between both our campuses, we would reach the 5.8 million that it will require to do all these agenda things that we have. Now I'll tell you some amazing things are happening. Um, I'm I'm so impressed with our staff and the sacrifices they're making, our leaders and the sacrifices they're making. There's only a handful of people that have already given their commitments, but I'll tell you, there's already a million dollars committed to this project, and we've only just started with less than 30 people have committed this. They're making amazing sacrifices for this to happen. And our prayer is that this would continue. Today, life group leaders, many of the life group leaders have had a chance to process this. Some will continue this week. Uh, but they're going before you. And, and it's just important that you know when it comes to preparation, uh, as you're going to prepare this week, we will not ask you, I would never ask you to do anything I'm not willing to do. I would never ask you to do anything our leaders are not willing to do. Daring generosity requires preparation. But I want you to see what's so cool about this, this passage as it, as it ble- uh, bleeds open. Notice these next verses, the unique way it brings blessing. First, to the giver. Daring generosity blesses the giver. Look at verses six through nine. It says this, remember whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now stop there for a second and just notice something. The text is very clear that God is able to bless you abundantly. Now we're not a, we're not a church that kind of teaches prosperity gospel or things like that, but I don't, I just, you cannot push past the the passage here. God is able to bless you abundantly. Verse six says, whoever sows generously reaps generously. See, it's the law of the harvest that if you scatter more seed, you have the ability to, to have a bigger harvest. Now, what keeps us from, from scattering more seed, from sowing more than we, we feel we're able to? We're, we're afraid. So we hold back because what if, just in case, all those fears that we have. But notice again in verse 8, in, in the midst of our fear, notice what it says about God. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... At all times, having all you need, 
you will abound in every good work. In fact, it says, the passage goes on to say, not only will he give you what you need, but he's able to give you more so that you can share more. You can bless more. You can bring more praise. Verses 10 and 11 say this, now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your sower seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He says that God can enrich you. Why? So that you can be more and more generous. The purpose of wealth isn't so you can accumulate more. It's so you can bless more. Now we shouldn't be surprised that God is able to bless us abundantly. That is who he is. I mean, think about this. There's this moment Moses had asked God, can I see you? And he's like, no, if you see me, your face will burn off and it will not be good. And so he says, God says, I'm going to stick you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to pass by. You'll kind of get to see my backside. But listen how heaven announces God passing by. uh, Exodus 34 says this, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. When heaven announces God's appearing, it is, he is abounding in love. He is abounding in faithfulness. When God was trying to challenge Israel, his people, and they were holding back their offering to him, there was a tie. There were multiple ties that they would give. They were holding back. They were not bringing those to him. And they they were afraid or whatever it was that that was keeping them from holding back. God challenged them this way. He says in Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in in my house. He says, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God's saying, just bring your part and I will bless every other part of it. That is generous. That is abounding in love and generosity. But that is who God is. And I love the story. I was asking people again about their generosity and one woman said it this way. She just said, I'm generous, we're generous because you can't outgive God. I've, I've just learned over the years, I can't outgive God. God just continues to bless us. And she started telling me all these unique stories, how God showed up where she was like, I'm okay with living with less and God would show up and bless her and take care of her. One wife said to her husband, she said, she said this, she said, look at all that God has done in our lives. The way he uniquely brought us together, his generosity time and time again to us. How can we not be generous to him? And the motivation was God's generosity. God is the one who loves us so much that he gives his one and only son. Jesus loves us so much. He's so generous that he who was rich became poor for our sake so that we might become rich. This is kind of a unique thing. And sometimes I think we're uncomfortable with it. But God's teaching to us is this, is that he blesses the giver. Daring generosity blesses the giver. But we also see this, that it blesses God and it blesses others. 
It blesses God and it blesses others. Notice how the passage uh, finishes up. It says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace has been, the surpassing grace has given you. God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Now we notice first the most obvious thing: generosity blesses others. It meets needs. It helps where 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 help is needed. But notice not just physical needs, but emotionally and spiritually, the unique way in which the people who receive these things, their hearts are filled with thankfulness. Their hearts are filled with praise. But notice also what Paul says is that generosity results in blessing God. It results in blessing God. That not only does it bring him thanksgiving and praise, but it says that God loves it. He delights in our generous lives. In fact, it goes so far to say this, that God loves a cheerful giver. Notice verse seven and circle that word in your Bible, loves. It says this, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. When we prayerfully, faithfully, led by the Spirit, Give obedience to what God has called us to do. We're guided by him and we obey that. It says that God loves it. Now I want you to circle it because there are very few times in the Bible where we actually do something where it's just so clear. It says that God loves it when you do this. And this is one of those times that when you generously give in your heart to worship him and to serve people and to bless him, it says that he loves it. He loves it. And we see this in verses 11 and 12. It's, there's thanksgiving, verse 13, there's praise. So there's blessing that comes through all this to ourselves and to others, and it brings delight to God. So how do we do it? How do we get there? There's a couple of things that we can see in this, and let's close with these ideas. Number one, notice this, the attitude trumps amount. Attitude trumps amount. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is going to be a very important verse for you this week. It's going to be the verse that's going to guide you this week. But you see this idea. You should give what you've decided in your hearts to give. Not reluctantly and not under compulsion. So you shouldn't be like giving and like, I don't want to do this, but all right. Um, If I don't give, God's going to be mad at me. You should not feel like your arms being twisted or manipulated. God wants it to be cheerful, joyful. Willingly, abundantly, cheerfully. Again, God Sees this. And again, what motivates this? It is seeing the unique way in which Christ has given himself to us. He says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the generosity of God given to us in Jesus Christ. Number one, attitude trumps amount. Number two, this should be prayerful. It should be a prayerful decision. You got to decide. Uh, or give what you've decided in your heart to give. 
And so we put you on a path. And this is why this brochure is so important. Um, As you're going through this, pages 11 and 12, and then the pages that follow, they they put you on a spiritual journey. And we've been trying to put you on a journey. We've wanted you to hear God. We've tried not to to manipulate you as best I I know how. We've tried to put you on a journey to listen to God and follow God. And it's fascinating to listen to how people are doing this. Let this be a prayerful time. And some of you are going to go, I just don't, I don't know if I'm hearing God or I'm not sure if this is from God. And this is the, how you're going to process this with other people, uh, with your spouse or with your friends or with your life group. But make this a prayerful decision. But third, make it a growing experience. Make it a growing experience. Now, the tone of these two chapters is this. It's very interesting because Paul is challenging this church. He's pushing them to do more than they think they can do. And it's interesting. It's fascinating in some ways because as you're reading it, you realize, wow, he's kind of pushing them a little bit and saying, hey, I know what you think you can do, but you can do more than you think you can do. And he's telling them, he tells them actually in chapter 8, verse 7, he says, see, he says, you excel in a lot of different things. But now I want you to start growing. I want you to excel in generosity. He's saying, I want you to grow more and more. Learn to be more and more generous. And so I want to talk to three groups here about how you might grow through this experience. The first group is this. And we talked about this a little bit last week. And that is, some of you, this is totally new. This is where Kim and I were. We didn't grow up in church. But this is totally new. And, and for, uh, the statistics tell us that for a lot of us, we give about 0-3% to 3% of, of our income to charitable giving. And certainly giving to your church would be part of that. But they say most of that is accidental. You didn't plan for it. It was kind of like someone showed up at the door or it just the plate came in front of you and you, you didn't plan for it. You, weren't, you didn't prepare for it. Most of the time, it's not that you don't have a heart for it. It's just that you've never flexed these muscles before. You don't know this. And, and as we said last week, some of us are thinking is someday I'll be in a more comfortable place. And when I get to that more comfortable place, then I'll be generous. And the truth is what we found with, at least in the Americans, American church, that as wealth grows, generosity does not. And so you and I have to fight against this. This is a growing experience for us. So how do you start flexing muscles? Let me give you a challenge. So there were multiple what were called tithes in the, in the Old Testament that people gave. Uh, and, and as the church began, some people, the church many times has looked at that very first tithe that was given to the Levites and to the work of the church as kind of a, a good starting point. Now that's significant because that's 10% of your income. And you're thinking, whoa, 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 10%, like take me to dinner first before you propose. Like this is like, this is kind of fast, right? Like, and I will tell you, here's a challenge for you. Okay, here's a challenge for those of you who this is new. For the next three years, figure out a percentage of your income that you would give weekly or monthly or however it is to the offering, to the, to when we pass the plates or, or you do it online, and a percentage that you would give to Daring Faith so that it equals 10%. Now that's huge. That's very challenging for you. But here's what I would tell you. Here's a way to start thinking about it. What would you do if your boss said, hey, we're, we're not going to fire you, but we're going to give you a, te- you're going to have to take a 10% pay cut. You go back to home, you rethink your budget. You would, you would say there's some luxuries that we probably have to do without. You would rethink this. 
I want to challenge you. I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm inviting you. As you take this card and you take this book and you start this process this week to really make rubber hit the road, when you say, I don't want to be like the, the Corinthians and just, hey, yeah, I'll be generous, but you never do anything. I want to do this. I want to be generous. I want you to at least try this. What would this look like? What would it look like in your budget? Push yourself and see. And whatever it is, maybe this is something you'll grow over three years. Maybe you can't do 10% on year one, but by year three, your goal is we're going to get there. By year three, we're going to be there. This was the hardest place for Kim and I to get to. But once we got there, we had established a pattern to live on. So the first group, I want to challenge you, flex these muscles. I know this is new, but this again, this is how churches work. It's just, it's just the family of God giving generously. The second group is this. Some of you have built this pattern. And I, I will just call you tithers. You're people who give regularly to, to God. And I want to challenge you. There's sometimes a mentality that 10% is mine and the rest is, or 10% is God's and the rest is mine. And I want to challenge you. This is a big thing for us to start thinking about. If we're going to excel in generosity, what if we, as part of becoming authentic followers of Jesus Christ, we're learning to live on less and give away more for the sake of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? What if we were learning to give away more? Now, I'll tell you, this is where Kim and I started about six years ago, and it's been very challenging to us. So I told you, 10% was the hardest place to get to. But once we got to 10, we took our FPU class, our financial peace class. We rethought our budget. We realized there are a lot of things that we really believe in and, and are committed to. So we have, I did our budget yesterday. Uh, we've gone from 10% to 20%. 10% comes to the general offering, 5% is going to be to Daring Faith, 3% to missionaries, and 2% to our 8 to 15. And I'm looking at this, and we, and we know this is, this is a faith budget. There, there, are, there are things that we're going to do without. But Kim and I drive cars that have 100,000 miles on it. That's okay. I only drive a mile to work. It's not that hard. I can walk if I need to. My son got a full scholarship to college. It was awesome. Uh, but we, instead of taking that extra money for ourselves, we used it to give away. What would it look like for you to live on less and give away more? Isn't this kind of the model of Jesus himself who, who was rich but for our sake became poor? And then Paul saying, look, the purpose of wealth isn't that you accumulate more, it's that you learn to bless more. I, I was fascinated with the creativity. And I think this week I would encourage you to think creatively. Listen to God creatively. One family, they paid off their house. God had blessed them to pay off their house. So they were saying, now what? What do we do with this house payment? And so they're, they're using that as a way to, to bless the Daring Faith uh, uh, campaign. Another uh, uh, guy is moving towards retirement. He has, to, has a mandatory deduct, deduction from his IRA. Now what? He's like, well, then I'll give this to the Daring Faith. Some people that, that live by commission, and they're explaining how they tithe off their commission or they're going to give a percentage of their commission. And, and I'm like, That's, that, you're like those Old Testament farmers. You're like those Old Testament shepherds who you don't know if the next sale's coming. They're like, yeah, I know, but that's, that's daring faith for us. So a family that gave up their emergency fund, they donated their emergency fund. And they said, by faith, we think God will, will replace it. Most couples did this. This was interesting. They came together. They each had a number. And they said, what's your number? What's your number? One was pretty practical and one was pretty generous. And they, they, as they talked about, this was fascinating. As they talked together, they found this, that the practical number made sense, but the faith number was, this is our daring faith number. And every single couple I talked, about, talked to said this, we're going with the faith number. 
And I was like, man, that is so courageous. Like, but that's the whole point. Like, it, we can do this. It'll be hard, but we can do this. This, on the other hand, we're going to have to trust God. We don't know how it's going to quite happen, but we think God is in it. And you see that bigger picture of discipleship that we think God cares about us and God is walking in our life with us. So I want to challenge this second group to think of the unique way in which you, as you're going through this experience, how this can be a challenge for you to grow, to give away more, and to live on less. Here's the last group I want to challenge. And there's a very small group of you uh, who God has just entrusted incredible wealth to you. Resources for you to do something monumental. And throughout history, in fact, in fact even in the book of Acts, there's a, a, a moment where the, the writer stops and tells us about a guy named Barnabas. How he sold something he had. he had. He had this extra and he sold away this land so he could bless the church. Some of you are like this. God has just given you extra properties or extra investments or extra things. And I want to encourage you to, to think about the unique way in which God has given you wealth to bless something like this. One man did this. He, he said, you know what? I'm going to give you everything when I die anyway. So I've just decided I'd give it to you now. And so he gave us his uh, stock portfolio. And it is a sizable gift. Um, and as a result, I, I love uh, Mary Keenan's kind of been saying this, uh, who's been helping us lead this campaign. She says, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. And I, I love that because then for some of us, the, the idea is I, I'm going to wait till I die and then I, I hope my kids do the best with it. But instead, uh, some folks who are sitting there and looking at this and saying, no, I want to figure out a way to bless God now. I would say this for those of you who are in this place of wealth, the challenge has been this, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Uh, Jesus seems to commend this. When, there's a poor, when there was these big gifts being given, a poor widow came, she gave about a penny, maybe a little bit more. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 do you see that? And what he commended was her sacrifice. He commended her heart. And those of us who are able to give big gifts, you realize just because the gift is big is the sacrifice. Are you going to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice as much as some of, uh, of, of the poorer brothers and sisters here in our church and the sacrifices they're willing to make and, who, and who, uh, some that have already made this? So next Sunday, next Sunday, you'll bring this envelope. Next Sunday, I'm praying that you'd be willing to give a one-time gift that you'd be willing to think about the next three years. Next Sunday will be a very special service. It's going to be a holy moment, I think, in our church as we, because it's, it's a part of us saying, Lord, we trust you. We see what you're doing. We want to be a part of it. We want to bless the next generation. Uh, I love one, one uh, woman said this. She said, I asked her, why are you doing this? She said, this is a chance for you to do something with your wealth that will affect the next generation. And I said, that is awesome. That is so awesome. So here's a prayer that I want you to pray as we close. As you think about this, as you think about all the things that God's doing in our church, you think of all the things that God wants to do here and with Huntington, would you consider just praying this and let this be of your heart? And the words will be up here on the screen. Just take a moment to meditate on these words, but these simple words, Lord, I'm submitting my life, including my time, my talents, and treasures to you. Do far more in and through me than I could ever ask or imagine. Lord, do far more through Beach Point than we could ever ask or imagine. Would you just take a second and make those words yours? Where you're afraid, confess that to him. Ask him, Lord, would you speak clearly this week? Would you show our family 
what you're calling us to do. And in just a moment, we'll sing and close the service.